Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner Podcast followers and devotees. The great Matt Geib here with you once again on the Kingdom Corner Podcast. And today I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled because I have a special friend, a special guest with you today that has a special word for you. And uh, she is a fellow ministerial comrade with me in the King's Company uh, Group Coaching School. That's where I met her. I've known her about four years. And she has such a powerful resume here. Let me introduce her a bit. Sakira Baez is an ordained licensed minister from the Linked Church in Oklahoma. She is from Edmonds, Oklahoma. She works and is commissioned by the Kingdom Harvest Alliance to identify and activate leaders into their kingdom assignments. Presently also, she is a Kingdom Life Coach. That's, like I said, where I met her with the King's Company Coaching School for the past two years. She has a heart and ministry with and towards women and moms especially. She works with groups like Mompreneurs on Fire and Beautiful Restoration. She has organized and directed community concerts um, prayer walks where they go and they pray over the community and they take it back from the enemy, you know, in the spirit. That's what she does. Sakira also is an experienced deliverance minister. She's worked with Cat uh, Bernard. She worked with her for 1.5 years, but she's, um, you know, has more experience than that. And also, uh, she is a published author and speaker. Her book. I Am Woman Enough with 365 Affirmations for Women, uh, the Tainted Elegance book series, was an Amazon and Barnes & Noble bestseller. She has been married 16 years, a mother of six kids, 24 years of age to four months. She just had a baby. Uh, uh, on top of that, she homeschools. Currently, she has been... Uh, building a community of believers that are warring warriors of Zion. That's what she's uh, currently working on, as well as writing some curriculum for our school, the Kingdom Life Coaching School. And I'm just amazed when I look at all this. She's such a mover and a shaker. Um, you know, I'd say, Sakira, you don't have any grass that grows under your feet. I just don't understand how you get all this done. It makes my head spin. Uh, like they say, or my grandfather used to say, if you want something done, then find a busy person and give it to them, and they'll get it done. That's Sakira. And then I wanted to pull this out in particular uh, for emphasis. At the age of 17, this is in her bio, biography, you were anointed and commissioned as a prophet, or she was anointed and commissioned as a prophet. The youngest prophet ever recognized by a church called the Eagle's Nest in San Antonio, Texas. And then, uh, boy, that is so powerful. Uh, that's been like 28 years ago. I, I'm, that's what I, uh, the arithmetic 
you know, that's been 28 years. She's an experienced prophet. I'd like for you to uh, later on share more of this in your amazing testimony. Um, then we're going to get into something that she was uh, letting me know of a word that she that she had that I think is very uh, seasonal and timely for us. Uh, we're going to let her share that. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, you know, she's just like that. I like to liken things to sports a lot. She's like that five-tool baseball player. They run, throw, field, hit for power, and hit for average. She preaches, teaches, can minister one-on-one -on -one to people. She moves in the gifts of the Spirit, not just prophecy. Uh, and she can exude and impart love to people she meets. I know that. I've seen her do that, and especially to her family. Um, you know, I just marvel at all. Uh, how she handles all that with her family. So without further ado, having said all that, I will now introduce Sakira. Sakira, how are you this morning? Let's go ahead and have you share your testimony, would you please? Sure. So um, so I, my parents got divorced when I was about two years old. And, um, and my, my, so they started off in a very rocky relationship. My mother, mother got, uh, she got pregnant with me before her and my dad got married. She got pregnant when she was 17. Um, she was married. They were married by the time she was 18. And, um, and then she had me right after she turned 18. And, um, and my dad was, I think he was 20, 21, something like that. And, um, we were over in Germany at the time. We flew to the United States. Short, well, my dad went into the military two weeks before I was born. And um, because of the way the flight things were set up at that point in time, you couldn't um, fly until a baby was at least three months old. Um, and so we came to the United States. And um, I've been in the United States ever since, of course. And uh, But I was born in Germany. And so... Um, Anyway, um, they had a very rocky relationship. It, it did not go well. My mother was trying to hang on to, I mean, she was very young. She was trying to hang on to what she remembered of my dad and the fact that, you know, like she was kind of like wanted to party and hang out and do all the things. And my dad was in the military. And so he, um, he wanted to be, you know, he, he was a drill instructor and he wanted to be on point and he wanted to do, do the right thing. And so that really caused some division because my mom wanted to, you know, drink and, and smoke. And my dad was like, no, we can't do those things anymore. We have to be parents. And so, um, so that really caused some problems and, and they divorced and my dad went and lived with my grandparents who then helped assist in raising me until I was about five. And then he remarried to my stepmom. Um, because of all of these situations and circumstances, there was a lot of, um, tumultuousness, a lot of trauma and drama. Um, my mother's second husband molested me as a kid. Um, and then I had a, a pastor's son who molested me when I was about six or seven from the time I was six to seven. And I kept all these things very quiet, um, and, and, and was very quiet about these things. Um, very secretive because they told me that if I said something that I would be a bad kid and I, like any kid, you want to be the good kid, right? <laughs> you don't want to be the bad kid. And I didn't want to cause problems. And, 
um, all of the things. And so, um, I, 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 and then I saw like, because the, all these doors were opening up, I was seeing things continually. So from the time I was very, very young, I was seeing in the spirit and I was, and so I would tell my grandma about it and she would, she taught me how to, how to, you know, stand up on my bed and cast out demons, <laughs> tell them to leave me, to leave my room and walk in my authority as a believer. And so even then after that, um, so I knew like there's this, this push and pull where the enemy was trying to pull me into his kingdom, you know, and cause, cause me not to want to see because of all the things I was seeing. And then no one knew how to help me process these things. And, um, uh, because I was seeing good and evil and, and then so, all the things that are, can be in between. <laughs> and I didn't know how to put, how to articulate, especially as a child, how to articulate what I was seeing. Um, I remember being eight years old and telling my, my dad and my stepmom they were living in sin. <laughs> Because they were divorced and remarried. I remember being 10. Um, these are some of the stories my parents actually, my dad and my stepmom tell about me. I remember being 10 and, and, and saying there was going to be an end to the Cold War in Russia. Um, so I was walking in these gifts of prophecy and not even like we were Southern Baptists. <laughs> and so there were... Like even at 10 years old, I remember people telling me, no, that's never going to happen. And then it happened. <laughs> and so, um, so those things, as, as, as I spoke them to my, my parents, they just kind of like Mary did with Jesus, um, just sort of tucked them away and remembered them. Wasn't quite sure what it meant or what the grand spectrum of it was, but, uh, and didn't know how to, um, how to help me in those giftings at that point in time. So, but like I said, there was a lot of secrets, a lot of anger, a lot of drama and trauma that was happening and, and, and no one to articulate those things as well. So lots of like lack of communication, lots of non-articulation. And so I began to be in like this separate world where it was just me and Jesus <laughs> a lot of times. And we had this ongoing conversation about things. And, um, and so by the time I was, um, I was 10, I was writing poetry about how angry I was and, and murder and things like that. So my family was very concerned about me because I was on such opposite ends of the spectrum all the time. Um, and so by the time I was 14, I tried to commit suicide. They did not know until I was 14 when I wrote my suicide note that I had been molested or any of those things had happened. So, um, I just got so tired of walking in this shame and condemnation. And I remember being in the hospital bed after overdosing on, on a bunch of pills and having my stomach pumped and having a conversation with God. And I was like, you're going to see, like, I'm going to take my life because I'm not going to live like this. And God told me very clearly, he's like, you can, you can choose to do that. He was like, it is 100% your choice, honey. He was like, however, you will not die until I have, until my appointed time for you to die. And I was like, oh, so, and I understand me and God, ha we have this type of understand. I've had this conversations with God and people go, how dare you talk to God like that? And I'm like, well, 
It just is what it is. And I'm sorry that you don't speak to God like this, but this is the relationship I have with my father in heaven. Mm, Absolutely. Yes. 100%. You cannot <laughs> argue with my testimony. <laughs> and so I told God, I said, I was like, well, check it out. I was like, you can't force me to be here. And he was like, Oh, I can't. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I absolutely have a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life, Secure. And he was like, and if you choose not to, he was like, you will do it. You will accomplish it. And um, I was like, so you're giving me like some kind of weird power of invincibility. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, it doesn't mean that there won't be consequences for your choices based on what you do to your body in the meantime, he was like, but you will not die or pass from this earth until you've accomplished my will for your life. And I was oh. like, Oh, okay. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> and so, um, I remember hearing about, um, a young man who blew his face off and, and, and survived, you know, doing that. And like, I kept hearing these stories and that's how God does things with me is like I will challenge him with something or ask him something. And it's not always just a challenging question. Sometimes it's me just asking for confirmation that I heard his voice. And so I kept hearing these stories like out of nowhere and it confirmed what God was telling me. Cause like the young man, he survived blowing, putting the gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger. He just blew his face mm. off instead and survived mm. that. And, and then continued living and telling his testimony about how God saved him that particular day. And then God was showing me through that. He was like, see, I had my hand on his life. You think I can't do that for you? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So you win. <laughs> and so I was like, well, then the God that I know that I've been brought up is not a God that's ready to send me to hell. It's a God who loves me, who desires mm, a relationship yes. with me. And I was like, mm. so I went to my parents at the age of about 15 and I said, hey, I was like, the God that I have been raised to believe in is not the God that I know that I speak to on a regular basis and have formed a relationship with. Can I do I, you know, I want to look for a church. I want to look for a body of believers who, who, who hear God the way that I hear God. And, um, and so that led us to Eagles Nest non-denominational church. And, um, I was, and for the first time in my life, I was able to dance. <laughs> and that was something, you know, in the Southern Baptist church, you're really not supposed to do <laughs> if you come from that sort of background. Um, Clapping is about as good as it gets, <laughs> but you're certainly not supposed to dance. And so, and I remember just dancing wildly without, with total abandon before the Lord and worshiping him the way that, like, that I desired to. And it wasn't, and there was nothing wrong with it. And there was just a joy, an unspeakable faith and joy that was just, it was bubbling up inside of me. And so it was at the age of 17 that I was at a, a prophetic youth. Or, well, it was just a youth conference and the, the youth pastors anointed me as a prophet. And, mm. um, and for three and a half hours, like it was like, boom, the gift hit me. And I just started prophesying. I would just walk up to people and there was just information that I knew about them, that there was no way that I could know. And it was like this invisible brick wall went up around me. 
Um, we were casting, I was casting out demons. I was prophesying. It was just, it was an incredibly amazing experience. We saw limbs grow back, uh, you know, to where one limb was shorter than the other. And then all of a sudden it grew and they were both the same length and just, just crazy amounts of miracles and 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 observations and and things like that the angelic you could i mean the 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 anointing was so thick it was like there was a brick wall that was built up around us and it got to the point where people would try to come to me and have me prophesy over them and they would hit this invisible brick wall in the corner of this building and they would just fall on the floor <laughs> they would just fall on the floor and um it was just an amazing and beautiful experience. And then I went back to my church and I was anointed by them as well. And they said that I was the youngest um, person that they had ever anointed as a prophet. I went to my high school, which was a private school. I went there and I began to prophesy there. I began to read people's mail. <laughs> I began to tell them things. Wow. That, and, and I didn't tell them that I was anointed as a prophet. They... And I mean, the people that I spoke to, they ran, it, I felt like firsthand experience, like Jesus. I was like, please don't tell anybody I said these things, like, or that I told you these things. And they would inevitably just go with, they would run with it. They would be like, secure as a prophet. And so I, I experienced a different kind of rejection in that. And the fact that everybody wanted to be my friend, but nobody wanted to be my friend because like they wanted to hear what I had to say. That was a message from Jesus. But at the same time, they didn't want me to go to their parties. <laughs> oh <my. laughs> you, you know what I mean? And so, um, so it's a very interesting dynamic um, being walking. And I, I mean, and that's true. I think even to this day where there's like, it's very hard to find community for prophets because either people pull from you too much or they don't pull from you enough. And so finding that balance of friendship, and that's why I'm so thankful for the people that I have found at the King's Com Company is because it has helped. It's a very healthy, healthy place, a very healthy community for me to be engaged in. And I can, I can ebb and flow. <laughs> And nobody tries to pull on me constantly. There's good, healthy boundaries around all of that. And nobody gets hurt if I don't have anything. And at the same time, they allow me to speak up if I do have something. Um, and so I, I, I feel like that it's a very healthy community. Um, when I graduated from high school, I went to a Bible school where I encountered my first the, my first encounter with a, um, the head, she was a, <laughs> she was a priestess for the head satanic church out of, um, California. And she had been sent to the Bible school to cause division and to, to break it up. And I literally, um, I, there were things that happened in that season that were like straight out of a horror movie. I mean, I saw demons jump from body to body inside believers um, and speak and connect. And I saw the community of demons within the believers that were at the school. And then the administration, like I tried to bring their attention to the situation and they told me I was crazy and that there was no way that these things that I was 
articulating to them and communicating to them about what was going on in the school, they were like, there's no way those things are happening. And so just real, just real quick, yeah. nobody, nobody else, else there, there, though it's a Christian community, community was, it was it a spirit-filled spirit group? There was actually, there was one other, there was a, one other young lady who was the daughter of a pastor and she, she witnessed the same things that I did. But, but I guess I it's guess sad to me to think that nobody else there had the, the uh, spiritual discernment to know what was going on. Well, the That's, demons were very wow. choosy on who they manifested in front of. Ah. Like, they, they, these were different, they were a different level of demons, Matt. <laughs> like, sneaky. It was really sneaky. They were very sneaky. And so they didn't just manifest in front of anybody. <laughs> And so, like, and that's what people would would question her, um, and and they would hide. They would hide. They would not show themselves. And so, and she also had something called dissociative disorder. I didn't know that at the time, um, and that's where somebody has. It's almost like multiple personalities is the way the world would term it. Um, because of, and so the multiple personalities, there's usually a core person and that core person is the one who handles everything. Um, and so it, you, it takes so much discernment to know the difference between a person and the multiple personalities of that person or the dissociates, the alters is what they call them. And then the demons. Because different parts of that person can host different demons. <laughs> but that doesn't mean wow. that the whole person is possessed. It's like a, it's like wow. a, a fractured piece of glass. If you take a stone and you throw it at a piece of glass and it fractures, but it stays as one piece, there, like, you can have a smudge on one of those pieces of glass. But that doesn't necessarily mean the other pieces of glass are quote unquote dirty, right? Mm, they might be broken, good. Good. but they don't, they aren't necessarily dirty like that one piece. And so wow. I didn't know how, and, and so breaking that down, articulating that too, um, because even after we left there, cause I got kicked out of the school because of this whole situation, um, I then, I then had her come under my wing because I was like, certainly God would not show me these things and then ask me to just walk away from it, right? I was wrong <laughs> because I never asked God, is this my portion? I never asked him if this was my ministry. I never asked him what he wanted me to do with it. I just, out of pride, said, well, God showed me to, showed it to me, so I must do something about it. He wouldn't give me more than I can bear, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not true. Sometimes he wants you to ask him if that's meant for you. Sometimes well, he wants you to Can I back you up a second? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Just really Just quick, because really I think this, I think would, this apply. would apply. You, you, you are, are now exercised in the faith. faith. You've been walking, walking with God in this gift, gift for, for what? We, we said 28 years or more. more. But back, back then, then you were a lot were younger. younger. That's why, why, don't you, don't think, you think that's, that's part, part of it, of it and, and why there is such a need in the body of Christ today? There's a lot of, I think, up-and-coming prophets, but if they're not nurtured in the right way, 
then they're going to go down. I think you're going to get into that, the road that you kind of went down. If you'd have had somebody that could have come alongside you and nurtured you a bit, maybe you wouldn't have detoured like you did. Because I know the rest of your testimony, but I want you to share the rest of it. Yeah, so I think that Joel 2.28 is imperative to the season that we're entering, that we're currently in and that we're entering into where, yes, the old men will have visions, but your young people will prophesy. So don't underestimate the young and don't underestimate the old. Like bring them together because we're stronger together. And, 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 and so I had so many people discount me because of my youth and discount me because of what God was showing me saying, that's not possible. We've never heard of these things before. See now, at least in the world that I, I live in disassociation, um, dissociative disorder, those words, um, satanic ritual abuse, SRA is what it's called. Those are normal words. But when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, nobody talked about those things and nobody had heard of those things. And so it was very, very different. And so people like churches were literally shutting me down. Like I would get involved with the youth ministry and they would be all excited, you know, because I was a youth leader and I was part of the choir and all of the things because I've always been kind of a grab the bull by the horns and do what needs to get done kind of person. And, but then they would find out as I would bring in this spiritual warfare to them and say, Hey, we need to do something about this. We need to handle this. And I desperately need you to tell me how I need you to give me some insight. I need you to give me some revelation. And they were like, Oh no, 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 no. You can't bring all that here. And it was mm. like, but you're the church. <laughs> do something about it. <laughs> And so they right. were, they, I would just get shut down. So mm. I went through this period of it's rejection tough. where it was like, and in my own family, same thing. Like they had never heard of such things. They had never dealt with such things. And so, um, I got very prideful about this situation because it was like, none of you people know what's going on. You don't know how to deal with it. And if the devil is this big and bad, Maybe God's not as great as I thought he was, <laughs> is what it came down to. You know what I mean? Because, and that was where my mind went. And it was like, well, if I'm never going to be good enough, and God, you're not going to tell me how to deal with these demons that are these next level demons that nobody knows how to deal with, and you're not going to save me from this situation, then I'm going to find out how bad I can be because I feel like I can never be good enough. And so I spent 10 years in drug addiction and, and say to, and, and, and Wiccan and all these ulterior new age type, um, things trying to find some type of happy medium, I guess. Um, because I felt like, like God, I thought God had all of the answers, but the crazy thing was, is that God never stopped talking to me. I still flowed in my giftings. Like I could still prophesy. I could still, I was just working with the wrong kingdom at that point in time. I remember seeing angels. I remember seeing demons, all of those things. I remember calling people out on their stuff. Um, and I remember people 
like paying me to do that. Like I was a hit at parties um, because I, I operated under the guise of being like a psychic. And um, the coven that I was a part of, again, they loved my giftings. Everybody loved my giftings from the other world. But the church did not know how to embrace my giftings or or want or desire to understand or even listen to what I had to say. Um, they just, it was different for them. And so they just shut me down. And so um, it was interesting that I found acceptance in that world, but rejection in the church. And so um, I think we have to be very careful, like you were saying, very careful that we, that when somebody comes, especially young person comes with something that is not quote unquote, like right in the scriptures, there's no black and white on it. We can't shut that down completely. We have to at least listen and press into the Holy Spirit because there are mysteries. The Bible talks about mysteries. There's revelation. If, if it had already been revealed, <laughs> then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have new revelations, right? We wouldn't need new strategies if everything was working perfectly, right? There are different facets of the father, different faces of the father, so to speak, that as we, as we look at him, there's a different part of his personality. There's a different attribute of who he is. There is a different, and, and he shows that to you at different times in your life that you need it. You know, sometimes it's like, um, and the show, the shack, that movie, um, the shack can, it could be a very controversial movie and, and I'm aware of that. Um, however there, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You take the baby out, right? <laughs> and just throw the bathwater out. I believe that God can bring revelation and truth through anything that he chooses to. And if you're willing to listen and press in, you can hear his voice clearly through whatever racket is running. Okay. It's not that hard. It's just like the prophet who, you know, I believe it was Elijah who listened to hear the still small voice of the father, but he heard the fire. He heard the storms. He heard all the you know, the thunder and lightning and all of the things, but it was that still small voice that he ended up hearing the voice of God. And I, th I believe that he is given, he is not so far <laughs> away from us that we can't discern his voice from the racket. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's one of the things that I learned through my life, how to discern his voice through the racket and press into his presence and that I can find him anywhere. The Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God, not even hell. <laughs> mm. and, and so, and I found that to be true because even in my addiction, like part, a part of my testimony is that, um, that I, like I had five men who tried to kill me. You're going to and, um, and they, and they took me to my, to where I was going to be buried and I'm obviously still alive. I'm obviously still here, but that's a whole nother part of my testimony that I, I I'm not going to go into this time around. Um, but God had, a, he had a call on my life and he's, 
he was so faithful in his pursuit of me. And mm. it wasn't until I was facing 25 years in prison that I said, mm. gave God my yes again. I was like, God, you mm. saved me from those five men trying to kill me. You saved me from being shot at. You sh saved me from being raped and left on the side of the road. You saved me from all these different situations and these circumstances that were meant to take me out because I was at a place in my addiction where I was like, okay, God, if you won't kill me, I'm going to find somebody who can. If you won't allow me to let, if you won't allow me to die, I'm going to find somebody who will kill me despite what you have said. And so miracle after miracle after miracle happened where God would allow me to live through situations and circumstances. And that was even when the five men tried to kill me, I said, God, please, I ended up in the throne room and I said, God, please let me die. And he said, it's not your time. And so then mm. my immediate response is, was, okay, if it's not my time, then you're going to have to show me how to live. And so through these situations, Every time I would go, okay, God, is it my time? And he would say, nope, it's not your time. And I would say, okay, then you got to show me how to live through this situation and this circumstance. And so when I was facing that just 25 years, one of the things that the father led me to is he was like, you have to, he was like, you have to obey and you have to admit guilt. The Bible says to come into agreement quickly with your adversary. And so he showed me that scripture and I pressed into it and I was like, so, and he said, you are, you are guilty of far greater things than they're accusing you of. And he was like, and you really deserve death, which is way more than, tw way worse than 25 years. He was like, uh, he was like, but mm -hmm. I know you. <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, and I have, I have a purpose for your life. He's like, there are people outside of because that, that was one of the questions that got poised to me was if, if, if you don't get out of jail, because I would tell people I'm a candidate for a miracle and I will not spend a day in prison because that's what the word of the Lord had told me. Mm. And then pastors and ministers that would come in, they would say, well, what if God sends you to prison? What if he allows you to go to prison? And I would tell them, I'm still going to serve God. But I said, the word of the Lord says, <laughs> just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean you're not hearing God's voice, okay? But it will always align with what the word of God says. And so God showed me that grace and mercy were part of my portion. And it was through that grace and mercy and through my obedience that opened the windows of heaven to me. And allowed him to give me exceedingly more abundantly than I could ask or imagine. And that included freedom. And it was through that that he said that there are more people outside of the prison walls that needed to know that there was freedom for them. Not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. And that I could be a conduit of that communication. Mm, and so I was like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> And so, and I didn't know what that looked like. I had no idea what that looked like. But once I, once I was standing in front of that judge and I admitted guilt to all of my sins <laughs> that they were accusing me of, 
and they were ready to throw the book at me. There, that judge flipped through the pages one last time, and as he flipped through the pages, he even he himself said, "I looked for a reason to show you mercy, and I found nothing." Mm. And as he was flipping through those pages and saying that, something caught his eye, and he he said, "I cannot send you to prison." He was like, "I can give you a twenty-five year suspended sentence." And get for and make note that for every crime you can commit henceforth, he was like, because I'm sure you will not change. I'm sure I will see wow. you again. I'm <laughs> sure you're a menace to a society. These are the things wow. I'm sure of. You're a menace to society, and I will see you again. I will make sure that you do the maximum amount of time for every crime that you commit. And I said, Your Honor, I know that you don't believe me. But my word is my bond, and my bond is as good as gold. And I said, you will never see me again. Mm. <laughs> the words of the prophet. <laughs> and that judge never did see me again. And, um, mm. and, and he never will. He has passed wow. on. So and, powerful. Yeah, and so I knew things about that judge uh, that weren't right. Mm. I knew things about that judge that weren't right. And it wasn't my intention to prophesy in such a manner, but it was <laughs> it was what the word of the Lord that came out of my mouth right at that moment. <laughs> and for those of you who prophesy, sometimes you 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 realize that you speak and you don't necessarily your, your inclination or it's not premeditated in any way, but God's word always just it's it's spoken in and through you in such a way that you just it's like it burns up and bubbles up inside of you and you just release it and you don't even know what the ramifications are of what you're saying until later on and wow. so you really have to be so wise in weighing your words um and making sure that that you're in alignment with the assignment that God has for you. So I pursued um, deliverance like I pursued my addiction. I was really good at being bad, so I wanted so much to walk in the destiny and the purpose that God had for me. I didn't want to miss anything. I didn't want to miss anything, and I still don't want to miss anything. And mm -hmm. anything that comes at me... Um, from any direction I'm I'm like if this keeps me at the feet of Jesus that's exactly where I want to be <laughs> mm. if a war keeps me at the feet of Jesus which 99.9% .9 of the time what keeps you at the feet of Jesus it's opposition it's suffering it's persecution it's mm. relationships not working out according to plan it's people talking out the sides of their neck. <laughs> but if that's what keeps you at the feet of Jesus, if that's what keeps you listening, pressing into the Father, then albeit that's what I want to do. But even more so, one of the things that God has impressed upon me here in the last few weeks, um, I've been re-listening to um, some teachings from the from the King's Company, from Melissa Van Schaik on um, finance. And... As I was telling telling the Lord, I said, God, I don't want to ever be so rich that it takes me from your presence. And I was mm. thinking, you know, that is a good prayer to pray, right? 
And I heard the voice of the father tell me, wouldn't it be better <laughs> if I healed your heart to the point where you could steward a great deal of finances and reign and rule as the queen that I have ordained for you to be? <laughs> wouldn't that be more in alignment with who I am? As a father, yes. as a king, as a judge. <laughs> mm, yes. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so forgive me for being so small-minded. Forgive mm. me, God, for putting you inside a box. Forgive yes. me for not aligning my thoughts with you and asking how you would have me pray. And help me to become who you've ordained me to be. Sometimes we get so limited in our thinking, so limited in our mindsets because the world has conditioned us and programmed us that you can only be this person. You can only fit in this size, maybe this size, or maybe this size if you're really, really good. <laughs> but it doesn't have anything to do with you being good yes. enough it's yeah. what jesus already paid for and so one of the things that matt and i had talked about before we got on here was one of the things that the lord has been impressing upon me is a lot of times we break off the generational curses but we don't pursue the generational blessings the bible says that the generational curses go up to the third and fourth generation right and we get really we get really adamant about being that bloodline breaker and the person who stands in the gap and breaks those things off of our family but one of the things that the father really wants us to become a lot better at is making sure we keep records of those seeds that have been sown. Because the, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, it says to, to let your kids know, inform the generations, because the blessings of the father go up to a thousand generations afterwards. So there are generational blessings that you can, that you can claim as yours because of the things your grandmother did or your great grandmother did or your great, 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 great grandmother did because the enemy wants to keep you so entwined and mesmerized and spellbound as to what you're doing wrong. That way you don't lose focus on the things that he's trying to hide from you that are rightfully yours. You have ownership, but see the way a courtroom works, the way a courtroom works is when the accuser of the brethren comes up and says, Hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. If you are silent, that's why the enemy wants you to be quiet. That's why he wants to keep you in the background. That's why he doesn't want you to open your mouth. That's why he doesn't want you to speak. That's why we have this going on, <laughs> to be honest. If he can keep you from speaking out when you don't speak up in a courtroom or you plead the fifth, that's like no contest. Okay, you're guilty. You don't get squat. The enemy is allowed to do whatever he wants to you. But as soon as you rise up and go, hey, this is my portion. How do I fight for this? How do I get this for my family? How do I get this for the future generations? 
How do I get this for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren? Because you know what? I don't just want to break the curses so that they don't have to suffer for my sins or the sins of the generations that went before me. I want them to walk into the blessings. I want them to have the inheritance. I don't want to be so attached. I remember asking God, God, what is wealth to you? What is wealth to you, Father? Because finances, jewels, gold, that's all. There's a joke that says there was a man who was allowed to bring one thing to heaven. And uh, he gets up there and St. Peter meets him at the gate and he goes, he goes, oh, so what'd you bring? And the guy opens his bag and he's all proud and there's gold in it, right? And Peter looks at him and he goes, why'd you bring asphalt? Because that's what God thinks of. Like he uses jewels and, and gold yes, to build yes. things, right? <laughs> but his wealth is in people. So where yes. should our attention be turned? It should be turned into the future generations mm. and the yes. legacy and the dynasty and building that up, fortifying it, not just maintaining it, not letting it go by the wayside, but making sure we're pouring into our children, we're pouring into our grandchildren, we're making sure that they 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 are getting everything that the enemy owes to them. Mm. Yes. And so one of the words that I gave my dad is that um, my youngest son, who is now four months old today, happy birthday, <laughs> four months old, that he his his middle name is Harold after my father. And his first name is Prodigy. And what most people don't know about my dad is my dad was, he was your typical nerd in school, okay? His parents were not wed when they got pregnant with my father. They got married because it was the right thing to do for their generation. And so there was a lot of bitterness and resentment around my father's um, being born and being raised and all of the things. And so um, with that, my father, he, he was considered legally blind. So he had the super thick glasses and he, his parents were both orphans. And so they didn't have any money. And so like he wore the, he wore the tape around his glasses. Cause like most little boys, he broke his glasses at one point in time. And he used to carry a briefcase to school. And um, my dad is a retired Lieutenant Colonel from the Air Force. Um, and so he's a very, very smart man. He, he's te had his IQ tested and he is a genius. And so when God had me name my last son, Prodigy, Harold, Baez, there was something in that. And I told my father, I said, your grandson will complete the work that you have started. There are things that God is asking you to start that you may yeah, not see the harvest God. on, but yes. your children or your grandchildren or your great grandchildren will be the finishers of that obedience. Mm. So good. So I just, if, if God tells you to start it and you don't finish it, don't get, don't let the, give the enemy not one iota of, any type of territory saying, oh, but you're not going to finish. 
Oh, get you need to get all anxious about this. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Like God knew that you weren't going to be able to finish it. That's why he gave you children. That's why he gave you grandchildren. Even if they are spiritual children, spiritual grandchildren, don't be attached to the harvest. That's a, that's a life lesson that the Lord taught me through growing a garden from a sand pit. And I got eight foot diameter tomato plants out of it. He said, don't be attached to the harvest. I mm. am the one who orchestrates the harvest. And then back to that Joel 2.28. Just because you're in your latter years, or what some would consider your latter years, doesn't mean your work's done. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're done, finished. It doesn't get any better. Honey, you're just getting started. Because you may not know that you had legacies and dynasties to build. And how do you do that? You do that through the wealth of heaven, which is people around you. It's through community. It's why the devil has tried to shut you up and shut you out and push you back and push you down. But it's up to you to rise. All right, Matt. <laughs> wow. Such a rich word. I, I, wow. There's so, so many, many things, things there. there. I just, I think, I think it's so important. I don't think that word has been shared enough because what you said about passing on to the further generation. I know in one of your posts you mentioned about you wanted to make your arrows, which are your children, go as far as they could. And I can see that by the way you treat your children. You know, I'm not there in Oklahoma, but I see you on the internet. And I think we miss that word because we get so involved with our own little world, you know, we get selfish sometimes as people that maybe we're not seeing the future generation the way we should and seeing our posterity and the and uh, all these things. So I'm so thankful you brought that out. Um, boy, there's nothing really I want to add other than to say, uh, ask you two things. One, would you come back again sometime? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And number two... I would, I would like, like you, you to pray, pray for, for the people, people today that listen, as I say, today, tomorrow, or in the future. And you pray, pray us out, and then afterward I'll talk to you again for a minute after we stop the recording. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So if we could all bow our hearts and heads, everyone, or our hearts in particular. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the ability to come before you. I thank you, Father God, that your word is just so simple. It's just to follow you. <laughs> it's the same word through the generations. It's the same thing you said to the disciples when you were on this earth. Just follow me. <laughs> Even Abraham. You spoke to Abraham and you said, well, you just, you move. <laughs> but it took action. So I pray for every person that listens. Every person that's heard, Father God, that they would be willing to walk that out through obedience and through action. Father God, knowing that they may not know where they're going, just like Abraham didn't know where he was going, just like the disciples didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what the end result was, but they were obedient. 
And Father God, I pray for anyone right now who listens. Maybe their will is in bondage, Father God. And I speak freedom to their will yes. today. I ask, Father God, that you loose their will in the name yes, of Jesus. Jesus. And as you loose their will, that you would awaken their spirit to your voice. And only your voice. They would be so inclined to hear the voice of the Father and to become mm. accustomed to the voice of the Father, that they would be able to discern the voice of the Father, not the Father of lies, the one that's mm. been after them since before they were even born, but Father God who created them in their mother's womb. And know that there is a destiny and there is a purpose and there is there is a legacy and a destiny and a dynasty for generations to come that they are being called to take authority in and stand in the gap and be the bridge. And so I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father God, that you have not called us to play small, but you have called us to be tall. I thank you, Father God, that we are taking down the giants and mm. we are plundering the enemy's camps. We are taking back everything he has stolen from us and from the generations that have gone before us. And we are, we are ruling and reigning. We are who you say we are. We do what you say we do. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you Thank again you so again much, so Sakira. Sakira. You know... You know I have, I have to apologize here because the third thing I wanted to ask you, uh, dear sister, is there anything we can do for you? Can we give to you in some way or give to some ministry that really means a lot to you? I'd, I'd, we can put that in the show notes. I mean, is there something we can do to, uh, as they say, sow into you? Let's put it that way. Well, Beautiful Restoration is definitely a, a place that I have a heart for. They are, um, I, I have hel helped in the past do um, child care coordination for them. Um, they bridge a very, a, a gap that's almost unseen um, because they, they minister to women who, um, the houses look perfect. Um, the women tend to look quote unquote perfect. But a lot of times what they have found is there are women who may look perfect, but are indeed being emotionally and mentally abused within their home. And so they help bridge that gap and empower those women to know their authority in Christ. And as well as they are in the, they are in the process of building 20 tiny homes for women wow. and children um, so that those women do have a place that they can quote unquote escape to. Um, mm. because uh, sometimes those women appear to have it all together, but may have husbands who control their bank accounts <laughs> and they know if they leave, that mm. they leave with their children and that's it. Wow. Um, because the husband can afford the attorney or the, you know, this or that. And so, um, beautiful restoration is definitely, a, a, has a special place in my heart. Um, because they also teach the, they teach on so many different, you know, the identity, um, they teach on the uh, 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 believer's authority. They teach on um, the power of our words, like some very good foundational teachings. And um, they have a weekly Bible study that they do that at. Um, so they, they have a plan in place. 
they're um, very well organized and uh, they definitely and they are actually um, they're international believe it or not they started off as a, a group of six women about seven years ago and have grown into um, an organization that is not just all over the United States but I believe they have branched out and now they have a um, a place in Cuba as well wow. um, and I think in Mexico as well so um, they're branching out and building these different communities of believers and um, opportunities for women to learn who they are and whose they are so That's so good so um, needed and then of course if you want to sew into me and my family, we're always happy to do that. <laughs> well, that's fine. What we'll do is, um, so, you can send me those. We're just blessings, so. <laughs> you can send me those, uh, some, some links, links, like to Beautiful yes. Restoration. I'll put those in the show notes. So, All righty, thank you very much, and um, I'll catch you on the other side, Sakira. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of The Kingdom Corner.